0: This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E.
1: This is TL Talk Radio, Season 2, Episode 2. Welcome to TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy Hatton and Randy Zickenfoos, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Zickenfoos.
2: And I'm Lynn Funy Hatton. Hello, Randy. Good
1: evening, Lynn. How are you doing today?
2: I am doing well. What a What a long day we had.
1: And we're capping it off with an <laughs> exciting episode. So tell us, what do we plan to talk about tonight?
2: So tonight, in this episode, we're going to talk about debriefing. And um, the idea for this came from, and actually, from a Twitter chat. Uh, this past Sunday night, I was checking my Twitter stream for a few minutes, and I stumbled upon hashtag NBT chat. And I didn't really know what NBT chat was, but I saw that the, one of their questions related to debriefing, and I was intrigued um, because we often say to one another, let's debrief. And we think of debriefing as a way to talk about an event, and talk about what worked, what didn't work, what went well, and where we want to grow and improve. And so I looked up the NBT chat and found out that it's no box Thinking Chat, and uh, was interested in staying in the conversation for some time, looking forward to what they put on the table next week. Um, They chat on a Sunday night. So tonight, we want to share in this podcast a few tips for using debriefing to improve your practice.
1: So I think this is a really interesting topic that you're putting on the table here, because I think it's one of the things that that defines our relationship and how we work so well together, and the fact that we can have these uh, inquiring conversations about our practice, about each what each of us does uh, individually and as uh, a team. And I think this it's all based in inquiry and asking questions and thinking deeply about our practice. And uh, I would I would tend to say that I think that uh, as leaders in general, we could probably Ask more questions and uh, participate in this idea of debriefing. So let's let's start talking about that. So I think the first thing that comes to mind is this idea of finding a colleague. I mentioned that we have a really good working relationship, and I think being able, to, having that trusting relationship, and being able to have these kinds of conversations where you can think deeply about your practice and reflect and uh, critique. Uh, is really is really important and really valuable. So if you can't find somebody to have these conversations with, you know, I think you're kind of at a disadvantage. So uh, if you can find the colleague and you, you do trust each other, you can really engage in some some important conversations that will definitely help you improve your practice. Uh, and you've heard us talk about this on, on a previous episode, which we'll link in the show notes as well, if you want to go back and re-listen to the importance of having uh, a colleague to work with. Uh, Once you do find somebody, one of the things that you're going to want to do is uh, set some norms about how you want to implement the process and what's it going to look like and how each person is expected to contribute and participate. For example, uh, every collaborative endeavor is going to get a debrief. Uh, Anything that you're working on with this collaborator, maybe you want to talk about. Um, Or maybe you're going to uh, outline or suggest certain other things that you work on individually that maybe you want to uh, talk about or debrief on um, where will the debrief take place, and will it last for a certain period of time? Uh, you know, uh, things things like that to consider in terms of setting your norms.
2: Absolutely, it just sparked in my mind the idea of um, using a protocol if you need to do that to get started. Um, this past semester I taught a data course and some of the protocols that we use were really a great way to give people voice and to structure a conversation if, if you need that. And maybe we can link some of those in, a, in the show notes. Good idea. So the second idea um, that we're talking about tonight is celebrating the positives. So think about your event and an event can be something different for everyone. Um, hopefully we have some of our teachers listening and an event for teachers might be a lesson. It might be an open house presentation, um, it might be a team meeting, principals and building leaders, an event might be a faculty meeting or a parent visitation day or a teacher observation or a difficult conversation with a parent. And for a central office leader, an event might be something um, like a board meeting or a professional development workshop or an interaction with um, a colleague or a supervisor and, um, or even opening day, for example. So celebrating the positives in these events and thinking about these events is really important. You know, what worked for this event, whichever event you're thinking about, and what did you do to make it work? You know, what did you do before, during, or after the event, which made it work, which made it a positive experience, which made the experience meet your expectations? So when you're thinking about that event, what role did you play in making it work? You know, who else supported your efforts? What data do you have to support your opinion and what what can you use to share some of these ideas and have some of this conversation between yourself and and your critical friend. So thinking about it in our context, uh, recently we had an opening day with our teachers and as new leaders, this was our first collaborative opening day and we definitely took some risks, right, Randy?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, some good (laughs) risks and I think we were successful in in overcoming any obstacles and uh, I think they're paying off or they will pay off.
2: Absolutely. And and certainly we had some some bumps in the road, too. And, um, you know, after our opening day, we spent some time thinking and asking each other questions and we had some data to review. Our staff completed a survey so that helped us in our reflection process. Um, So celebrating the positives and recognizing the work that was done to get to that point. is really important.
1: And I think the fact that you brought up that sort of external data, if in your conversations you can pull in some of that external data. Lynn just gave the example of how we provided a survey uh, to our staff and we can use that data, that external data, to have some of these reflective conversations. What were the positive things? And brings us to the third point. What were the shortcomings? What were some of the things that might have been barriers that uh, you'd like to overcome? Uh, you know, one of the risks that we took was to acknowledge staff uh, who had given 20 or 30 years of service, and there were probably 40 or 45 of them, and we had planned that they would all sort of, this would be orchestrated and choreographed a certain way, but during the process, it didn't work. So that was a shortcoming. And uh, I thought well, what was really nice about the way that we handled it is we were pretty transparent about this isn't working. So let's go to plan B, whatever that is. And let's see if that works. And people, I think, respect that and and appreciate that. Makes us look human, which we are. And uh, also shows how one handles those those bumps in the road and how one responds to those things when they come up. Uh, It also requires us as we're reflecting in this debrief process on the shortcomings uh, to ask the questions, you know, what didn't work and, you know, what planning did we do? And could we have done some other planning uh, to prevent those barriers from popping up? You know, why didn't the event of the activity go as we planned? Was there something that was sort of on the periphery that came in that we didn't we didn't see or didn't foresee? What actions did we take uh, which impacted other events? And it's just really important when you have these conversations. You want to grow from them. So you have to approach the conversations with your critical friend with an open mind. And the idea that after the conversation, you have learned something new, uh, whether it's what Lynn mentioned is something that worked, uh, that you might replicate again. Or something that was a shortcoming that you might uh, learn from and change in the future. Uh, And to get to the bottom of this, you have to have deep conversations and you have to ask challenging questions. And you may not always like or feel comfortable with the answers to those questions, but it's important that you dig down and you sort of try to answer those as best as possible and as, as honestly as possible. Because that's truly when you're going to learn and when you're going to grow.
2: And that brings us back to having that trust in a relationship to be able to ask those questions and have that safe conversation, um, and the importance of a critical friend. So, in the last section, we are thinking about determining what's next. You know, we always wrap up or start our conversation with, "What are your takeaways?" You know, what what did you think was the most important about that? So, after you process that honest conversation, what does it all mean? You know, what's important in your role and what's next. Maybe in a team meeting, it didn't feel like everyone was engaged. So what could be done differently? Who needs to do it? Um, In the case of that meeting, do norms need to be set? Do stakeholders need a say in the topics in the meeting? Do you need to have an honest conversation and ask others to have, and if they have that same perspective? So we always think about what's next, what we can do to improve our practice, and we brainstorm some potential solutions. And asking these questions demonstrates a real commitment to the inquiry process.
1: And I think this whole topic that you've, that you've brought up here tonight, uh, I make the connection to something I've thought about for a while. And I think that as leaders in particular, as educational leaders, uh, we don't have these, these deep enough conversations. Uh, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if it's people don't have the protocol uh, to follow the process like like we've described here or whether it's... You know, too much thinking, or whether it's uh, I don't have a colleague that I can trust that I can have these conversations with. Uh, But I think that these ideas here that we're putting on the table tonight really can help foster that idea of taking conversations deeper. And this is a good way to start. Find that critical friend, uh, follow some of these uh, ideas that we put on the table here, and uh, see what you can come up with. So each episode, we leave you with a question or two to think about with the idea of provoking. Some deep conversation, hopefully deep conversation. So this week's questions. What other tips do you have to improve the process of debriefing? If you've done this uh, before with a critical friend, are there some things that uh, you could contribute to this conversation that we haven't mentioned? And second, how do you practice the process of inquiry as a leader? What are your challenges and what do you see as the benefits of uh, taking an inquiry stance as a leader and debriefing uh, the various things that you do in your practice. So you can visit our blog, tltalkradio.org, and you can leave a comment and some answers to those questions. Or you can also explore additional resources that we've mentioned in the podcast. Uh, You can explore those in the show notes. Follow us on iTunes, and you can also leave a review. Well, Lynn, that's it for tonight. Thanks for this great and interesting topic on debriefing.
2: Sounds great. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody.